It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. There we go. We welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday. Uh, March 28th, 2013. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me. Dad, we have no chat room. Well, we'll work on that. It was there a minute ago. We'll okay. work on that. Welcome right. to the program. All right. Thanks. Uh, good to be with you, Jacob. Looking forward to our discussion tonight. All right. Mine's coming up, and so we're ready in the chat room, and that brings us to a good point. If you're not in the chat room tonight, sign in. It's very easy. Use the button at the bottom of your screen uh, the, to the chat window there, and you can join in with other listeners. See Anthony and Lance there, and we'll look for more to join as the program goes along. We have a continuation of a program from last week. Yes, Jacob. Last week we talked about the question, is God immoral? Yes. And we based our uh, considerations upon a, a statement made by Richard Dawkins in his book, The God Delusion, in which he basically said God's just a pretty awful character. If you believe in the God of the Bible, he's a pretty mean, vindictive, horrible right. person. I don't know if I can read this again because I don't. I, I have trouble pronouncing some of the words he used as, yeah, as he attacked last night. Last night. Here, I'll give it a try again. This is from the God Delusion. He says, The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all, all fiction. Jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, felicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomachistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Wow. I think I got through it. I'm not sure I, I said all those words. Because it's very blasphemous. Yeah. And so we just basically are asking the question because this is, this is a question that we feel a burden to address as believers in God and believers in the Bible, how do we address the fact that the Old Testament in particular does convey stories of a good bit of violence and some of it directed by God? In other words, God sent the armies of Israel against various nations, uh, and there was a lot of killing done, and even innocent people, uh, women, children, and so forth, infants who were killed in some of those uh, combat uh, scenarios that are contained in the Old Testament. This is a big hang-up for a lot of people. How do we reconcile the idea of God, a loving God, with those incidents in the Old Testament where there was this kind of violence? All right, Lance in the chat room uh, gives us, uh, he has the same perspective as we do on this. He says, how can God be immoral when he is the creator of morality? We agree with that, Lance, and we're going to argue uh, that with the atheists tonight as uh, they present the argument that God is immoral. We're going to say that that is impossible, as you said, Lance when he was the creator of morality. We look forward to your participation on the program tonight at 877-381-4567.
We didn't get through the questions you asked last week. You restated them again this week. I don't know if we need to reiterate them. No, we're not going to go over the ones that we made last week. But if you haven't Uh, listened to last week's program and you're listening to us in the podcast version, we we would recommend that you go back to last week, get the March 21st program out of the way first, and then the March 28th program that you're listening to now will make more sense. If you're listening to us live, obviously stay where you are because you want to be a part of the program tonight. Yeah. Before we get to the remaining questions from last week, actually, Jacob, we really never got around to trying to make it a biblical explanation to the cases of violence in the Old Testament. We were basically dealing with the atheists and their viewpoint. Uh, We asked, on what basis can atheists make determinations about what is moral? Where did morality originate if atheistic evolution is true? We asked that question. Uh, We had a listener, Tim, last week uh, who has listened before and participated. And I don't see him in the chat room, and I was really hoping he'd be back tonight. But he got quite upset with us, and so I wanted to deal with some lengthy emails that he sent us before we get more into our discussion and try to wrap it up this evening. I wanted to get into some of the things that he said in some emails. Um, These were lengthy. They were were There's no way that we can read them all on the air. Right. He accused us of being unfair, and I just want to deal with that. He said, why did you say that the atheists do not give answers to how moral basis are determined? That is false. Well, we never said that the atheists don't attempt to give explanations as to where where morality came from. We just said we never heard a satisfactory explanation. We didn't say we never heard an explanation. In fact, we even read from his emails last week in which he offered some explanations. Yeah, it would be very... Uh, it'd be insane for us to say he didn't give us any answers because we had just read his answers. But yeah. we say we don't agree with his answers. We're They're not valid answers. We're saying that the answers that the atheists give, including the ones that Tim offered, just to us are not satisfactory. They yeah. they do not make a reasonable explanation as to how morality came about if, in fact, all life simply evolved on planet Earth. What ba- the, the basic question for those who maybe weren't listening before or listening tonight, the basic question is, Let's say we've got an, an elderly, very sick person. Why should we care for that person? What does it do for the species? Or we've got a, a, a newborn infant child that was born with genetic flaws that are very, very damaging to that child. Why would we just kill that child? Why would we spend time and money and energy? Why would we invest our love and devotion to a, to a being that really, if, if the species is to continue to evolve and get stronger, those... That, that genetic uh, experiment needs to fail and needs to be, uh, you know, terminated. Yeah. And, and, and Tim had given us an article where the guy said we share the same envi- planetary environment with other as other humans and uh, that we have the same uh, feelings as other humans. And, do you think, and it, do you it, think this is why, just as an example, this is why we say we feel that those explanations are inadequate and don't work. Do you think, let, let's assume the evolutionary scenario Here's a here's a a, a a humanoid just beginning to evolve into yeah. a humankind. In other words, it's the, the the primates are finally evolving, and we're going to get to the to a near human-like relative, distant evolutionary relative of ours. Do you think that that distant evolutionary relative said, "You know, we all live here on planet Earth. We got to take care of it." Yeah, right, right. You know, we we got we got to be preserving our environment. You can't, yeah. No, I mean that. That's you, can't have, you can have my cave just because you're breathing the same air. Get out of here, punk. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that that 
that is a is an unworkable answer. And so we did not say uh, to Tim's criticisms, we did not say that the atheists never try to offer explanation. We're just simply saying we think that the explanations they offer are invalid as far as reason and logic uh, go. All right. Uh, uh, okay, Tim is in the chat room. Glad you're here, Tim. We're, we're, we're hoping you would be here tonight. Glad you're here. Uh, and, Tim, we're, we didn't say you didn't give us an answer. We just said we didn't agree with your answer. Yeah. And uh, that's what the program's about is getting all the answers on the table and figuring and, out which one works. And then he went on to say your show was filled with looking at atheists and how they live and the things they believe as an attempt to justify actions taken by a deity you believe in and choose to base moral behavior on instead of simply answering the question posted by the theoretical atheist. Well, we were dealing with the statement made by Richard Dawkins. Mm -hmm. And so we're dealing with what an atheist has said. Therefore, yes, it's reasonable for us to look at atheists and consider their uh, basis for offering criticism. Right. Uh, are they in a position to reasonably criticize yes. others for what they believe about morality? That's all we were asking. Um, and then he said, you chose not to accept a moral standard through what has been observed in various fields of science. And what about the countless other religions? They are all the same as you. They put their belief in a God they picked out as being the, the God, and they believe they derive a moral standard from that chosen God. We weren't talking about other religions. We were talking about the fact that Richard Dawkins attacked the God of the Old Testament, the God we believe in. We're not, this, we've talked about other forms of religion at various times in the virtual Bible study, but on this episode, we're talking about the specific attack against the God we believe in, the God who reveals himself in the Bible, the God of the Old Testament. So that's why we didn't talk about other religions. Okay. It wasn't the purview of our, of our uh, uh, show last week. Tim says, I believe you said atheists can't give an answer. No, Tim, we didn't say you couldn't give an answer. You said you couldn't give a satisfactory answer. Is what we, if, we, if we didn't say that explicitly, that's what we implied. Uh, and you can give an answer. You can you can say anything you want. You can say the moon's made out of cheese, and uh, you know we could say well. That's, I, I'm, that I'm almost. Work. I didn't go back and re-listen, but I'm almost 100 percent positive. I said I've never heard a satisfactory explanation. Okay. All right. And that's and so we didn't say there's no explanation offered. We said to us, not a satisfactory answer has been offered. Um, uh, he says we live in a natural world where we continue evolving, and our moral code is no different. It evolves, but we're still saying why. Uh, he says, you dismissed my link showing moral behavior in animals. You stated in your show over and over that animals do not have morals. So how can humans have morals other than the morals given by a god? Uh, and then in a, in a follow-up email, Tim said, um, my morals are the evolved process of us as humans living, in a, living as social animals. And as such, social standards, which can translate as morals, have been embedded into our genetic makeup. Humans with better social traits will be accepted better into the social tribes of the early humans, thus their genes continue. So he's saying it's an evolving process. One of the arguments that's offered, Tim offered it, others have offered it, is we see moral behavior in animals, therefore it is a naturally evolutionary process. And Tim sent me, and we're trying to deal with I want Tim. to chase a rabbit so bad right now. Go ahead. Patrick in the chat room says, the theory of evolution doesn't seem to have an answer to the second law of thermodynamics, which would indicate animals would become less sophisticated, not more sophisticated. That's right. That, that is a, that's a law. It's not a theory like evolution. It's a law. Notice, Tim, the atheist response to that. The second law of thermodynamics assumes you are in a closed system. Wait a minute. We are in a closed system if the atheist is right. 
How can, how can, how can, how can, I think Tim's just argued for God. He is assuming, he says, you're assuming that we're in a closed system. Well, if the atheist is right, you are in a closed system. Tim, where, well, why isn't the system closed? It's a physical, what, what's, the, what's acting on the system external to the closed system that we're in? If it's not God, what is it? What is it, Tim? I think you just argued for God. Okay. All right, never mind. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. I couldn't hold it. I couldn't believe it. I can't believe that. Ted, again, we're trying to be fair with Tim's criticisms of our approach last week before we continue on this week. He sent me a number of links showing animals in supposed moral behavior. Right. Now, I don't think it is, and we don't have time to show all the videos, and some of the videos are quite quite gruesome. But we picked one of them, and uh, Larry's on our board tonight. Larry's got it queued up. It's a YouTube video that supposedly shows moral behavior on the part of animals. Larry, if you can go to the that. And part, need okay. to drink. Here we go. And the younger animals haven't yet learned that the same waters that support life can also bring death. A young impala tries to cross the water. But then he's held fast in a crocodile's powerful jaws. In moments, the croc will drag him under. Nearby, a giant hippo looks on. Then, amazingly, it's driven the crocodile off. What follows is even more incredible. At first, it might look like the hippo wants to claim this meal for itself. But that's not what's happening. The hippo nuzzles the wounded impala, then takes its head in its mouth, not to eat it, but seemingly in an attempt to revive it. it's no use. The crocodile has been patient. It emerges from the water and reclaims its prize. All right, there you go. So there we go. Uh, are we back, Larry? You got we us back, back on. Okay. Uh, that's one of the videos that Tim sent us. I'll leave it up to you to decide if you think that, that is actually a demonstration of animals. If it proves that demonstrating moral behavior, I I think it's not. I think I think I can come up with a number of other explanations that it, that it's not that that hippopotamus was just a nice guy, was trying to show kind, benevolent characteristics toward yeah. that injured animal. I, I would argue hippo, the hippopotamus and the crocodile were having a turf battle over that piece of prey. Uh, the, the hippopotamus is known to be one of the most vicious animals in the world. Of course, crocodiles are very vicious, too, and they were having a turf war. Yeah, well, he probably just got done eating one of those antelopes. Yeah, and, and for some reason he chose not to eat it. But i got to tell you, I do not believe that that hippopotamus understood the idea of CPR. Yeah. You know, the, the implication of that video is that the hippopotamus knew that if he breathed down that antelope's throat he might be able to revive him yeah i i deny that i think that's i think that's ludicrous if that's the best 
that you can come up with as an illustration of the fact that animal in the animal world there are acts of moral behavior. I think you 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 got a long way to go to prove that case. All right. Well, let's. Uh, let's anyway, okay. real quick, I want to do one more thing with, with Tim's emails. And Tim sent us a lot of writing. We appreciate his time, certainly. He said, one other thing about your program, I did not hear a whole lot of biblical scripture. And I heard a lot of opinion, denial, and finger pointing. Uh, he says, that's not helpful. We didn't really get to the part of our questions where we want to try to go to the Bible and give some explanations for some of that uh, violent conduct that. that bothers Tim and a lot of others that bothers Richard Dawkins, for instance, and he calls God a, a bully. We're going to try to deal with that, but we didn't get to that last week, and that's why we didn't have a lot of scripture. And week. finally, I think, uh, before we get rid of Tim, Tim uh, bashed us for not being familiar with, uh, he mentioned in the chat room, uh, Moses giving a woman, uh, he alluded to the fact that the, Moses was given the woman to a, a band of soldiers for them to rape and uh, violate her. And uh, we said we weren't familiar with that account, and uh, he had uh, he had an issue with us uh, saying that. Yeah, and and I, I, the reason I I thought he talked he was talking about a uh, I thought in the chat room, and I may be wrong about this. I thought he was talking about a specific single woman that was mm -hmm. given to soldiers to abuse. Mm -hmm. Actually, there were thousands of women that were taken as captives of war, mm -hmm. and they were given to the men uh, as as slaves or servants. Uh, that was very typical in times of war. When you took captives of war, right. you you and and some of them might have been taken for wives or concubines, yep. but it, it it's a it's a leap to assume that they were given to the women, given to the soldiers to abuse them, right, uh, in some way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so we would disagree with that. All right. We need to take a break. When we get back, we need to get to the questions that we asked earlier. When we get back, I think we're ready for question number three from last week, aren't we? Well, actually, number four. Number four. What is uh, How does the concept of eternity help believers to deal with the death of innocent people in the Old Testament uh, incidents that we're talking about? Uh, how does the uh, the idea of eternity help explain some of the, the acts that we see going on? Where I guess where God is killing the innocent and the, the children. Okay. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-456. Tim's back on the 32,000 virgin women. They were virgin women. They were spared because they were taking vengeance on the Midianites who had uh, committed fornication with the Israelites. And so, therefore, the virgin women would be the ones who were not guilty and were not punished in that incident. And, therefore, That's right. Remember, they, were taking, they were taking The care. whole story there is of where Balaam advised Balak and the Moabites right to tempt the Israelites to commit fornication so that their God would turn against them. Right. The Israelites fell in sin and committed fornication with the Moabite women, and there was a great, there was a great punishment sent by God upon both the Israelites and the Moabites. But when, when the, the end of the story was the virgin women were spared, the, the, the women who weren't virgins who were involved in the acts of fornication with the Israelites obviously were punished. Okay, I think that works. 877-381-4567. Uh, Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial.
I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. When trouble and discouragement weigh a man down, kind words may pick him up. It takes a lot of moral courage to ignore an insult. Evil men try to justify their sins, but good men repent and turn from their sins. The greatest fault is to be conscious of none but those of other people. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight, and look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. And if you're not in the chat room tonight, you'll want to be, as there's a good discussion going on there. Well, uh, we asked the question before the break, and you ask it uh, a couple times now in your update email. How does the idea of eternity help us to explain and uh, deal with some of these uh, deaths of innocent people in the Old Testament? All right. Uh, I, I want to just give a thumbnail answer, and then we'll see what some of our respondents have said. You know, one of the, one of the things that we have as a benefit when we believe in the Bible and we believe in the, believe in the God of the Bible and we believe the promises that he makes is that there's a bigger picture. It's not just about here and now. Mm-hmm. Uh I think we get if we get confined to just this present time and our short life here on planet Earth, and we don't take into consideration there's more beyond this, there's life beyond the grave, then our interpretation of some things that happen is changed. Mm-hmm. For instance, if an innocent baby dies and that innocent baby has nothing beyond this life, then you've just taken away from that instant baby everything. Mm-hmm. Never had a chance to uh, experience anything at all. And so that seems r- rather cruel. But if we believe what the Bible says, that an innocent child who dies will have an eternity of bliss in heaven, then that changes the, the, the story right. considerably. Right. And so, you know, if, if we have a, sort of a tunnel vision that looks just at the present life, then we, we're missing out. But if we realize that if an innocent child dies, for whatever reason, you know, if an innocent child dies in a car wreck tonight, that's a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. But if I believe what the Bible teaches, that that innocent child has a a wonderful eternity with God forever, then that makes that horrendous accident more tolerable when you consider it. I, uh, right. Okay. Let's see what uh, Ramona says in Texas. She says the, the people in the Old Testament were so sinful that God destroyed them along with the children. That would put a stop to the sins being per- uh, per- uh, perpetuated through their own uh, later children. But being children, they would be saved from eternal punishment and go straight into the Lord's arms, she says. And so uh, it prevented the children from being corrupted by the wicked society, and uh, they get to uh, they are in an eternal 
state of bliss. Uh, we have Chris in Atlanta. When you realize that compared to eternity, we are only on this earth for a second, then you can properly put things in perspective. During this life, pain and suffering can seem so long and protracted, but in the scheme of things, we are only here briefly. We should always make our decisions and base our actions with a view towards the life yet to come. And All right, we got Jason. You got, you got I've, got, uh, I've got Jason. He's okay, uh, Jason. next. Yes. He says, uh, first and foremost, we need to understand that God is all-knowing and good, and he has a morally sufficient reason for anything that he causes or allows to happen. Knowing this should comfort us as his people. We need to trust that he did what was right, whether we understand it or not. And we're going to get to that. That's sort of the, the, the next question we want to go to, and I think it's a good answer. He says, it may be helpful to realize that if there were people who were innocent, such as little children and infants, we can find peace in the idea that these innocents may have gone to heaven where they, when they were killed. We don't know this for sure, but it's a possibility. And then he says, the people whom God commands the Israelites to kill in the Old Testament were nations that he had been patient with for over 500 years, giving them the chance to turn to repentance. He told Abraham and the Israelites that the Israelites were going to be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years because the iniquity of the nations in Canaan was not yet complete, Genesis 15:16. He was giving them over 500 years to repent, even allowing his own people to be enslaved to give them that time. But they did not repent. They were still committing terrible sins, such as sacrificing and killing their own children in worship to their gods. They were worthy of any judgment the Lord would see fit to inflict on them. I think that's a good answer, Jason. I like it. All right, and we have Jim in Kentucky. He says, uh, for those who are innocent, found as just before God, he guarantees not only his vengeance, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, but also that those who stand before him in any age will be granted eternal life. All right, right. thank you, Jim. All right. Anthony here in Columbia says, in our minds, physical death is the ultimate horror, the worst possible thing that can happen something to be feared and dreaded and to be avoided at all costs. However, this fails to acknowledge that our physical body is not what's important. It's only temporary, a decaying vessel. It's our soul that is eternal and that matters. Physical death is really inconsequential. What matters is what happens after that. So we get appalled at the idea of the death penalty, which is what God prescribed in many cases, but we really need to put more focus on our souls. Some of the people who lost their lives in the Old Testament were no doubt spiritually pure and will be in a much better place at the same time, this is not a reason to take innocent life, as some atheists try to accuse Christians of advocating. Okay. All right. Good, good, uh, good answer. I, I don't see uh, anything else. Yeah, I got a long hand. You don't, uh, maybe you didn't get Patrick's. Uh, oh, Patrick. I do. I do. You, yeah, go, go ahead. you got it? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Patrick in Birmingham says Second Maccabees chapter 7. Of course, that's a, one of the apocryphal books. Uh, uh, he says, it has a very stirring account of a woman and her seven sons who were put to death for refusing to transgress the laws of God. Consider some of the words they spoke. The second son stated, You accursed fiend, you are depriving us of this present life. But the king of the universe will raise us up again to live forever because we are dying for his laws. The fourth brother said, It is my choice to die at the hands of mortals, of mortals with the hope that God will restore me to life. But for you there will be no resurrection to life. When Antiochus was about to have the seventh son put to death, the mother said, I do not know how you came to be in my womb. It was not I who gave you breath or life. Or was it I who arranged the elements you were made of? Therefore, since it is the creator of the universe who shaped the beginning of humankind and brought about the origin of everything, he and his mercy will give you back both breath and life because you now disregard your life for the sake of his law. Now, again, all those are quotes from Second Maccabees chapter 7 in the Apocrypha. He says, the resurrection, and then, and then Patrick concludes, the resurrection of the dead as well as punishment and reward give us perspective that life is not all that there is. It gives us foresight and reason to that 
that we should live our lives with our true end in mind rather than living carelessly as if our actions have no consequence. We shall render and count even for every idle word we speak. Yet in the end, our perspective and faithfulness will be rewarded. Okay. I think, Patrick, uh, he, he's kind of uh, gone, I think, uh, a long way around to make the same point we're making, that there's more to life than this. But, you know, Jacob, one thing that it, that you got to think about, and we brought this up last week, and, and Tim criticized us for doing so, saying we're taking pot shots at the atheist. Of course, I'm not, I'm not adverse to taking pot shots at atheists. I mean, they certainly take pot shots at us. I think their positions are untenable and illogical, unreasonable. Uh, I think they're devastating to human existence. But we tried to make the point last week, how can the atheist criticize the God of Bible for, for the killing of innocents? I, don't, I, I, I know you couldn't put a number on it, but if you were to make a, a wildly speculative guess maybe I, I, I would think a hundred thousand innocent children would more than cover those who were killed in the Old Testament now we try to explain that we could see that even as, as something that it turns out ultimately in a blessing to those innocents who were killed that doesn't even hold a candle it doesn't even begin to hold a candle to the 55 million unborn children who have been killed by abortion in the United States since 1973 now, you know, and, and, and typically, I, don't, I know this is not true of all atheists, but typically atheists are pro-abortion. Uh, and so how, how is that, that? That's just what we're saying. It seems that the position of the atheist is, are, are inconsistent and uh, untenable. Uh, you kill, you, if you don't believe in eternity... And you kill an unborn baby, you've taken away literally everything about that that that, that life could have ever been. Now, let me, uh, let me read you Tim's response to your question on this about the view of eternity. And, uh, and, and I've got a question for Tim on this. He says, I've heard you talk about this in several of your, of your programs. You talk about the kids eventually growing up into adults and having a good chance of turning away from God and ultimately deserving hell. So it was good they were killed young so they can go to heaven instead. To me, again... Uh, just the opinion of an immoral person. I feel this is not comforting at all and is a disgusting way to look at the death of a child. Further, I feel it is not a healthy way psychologically for the parents to go through the grieving process. Tim, in the, in the view of an atheist, perhaps you can respond to us and tell us how a grieving parent does psychologically go through the grieving process if they do not believe in God and do not believe in God. For instance, Tim, when a child becomes ill and dies, how does a person deal with that if there is no view of eternity? I'd like to know your thoughts on that. He's saying we've got a perverted view of, of things that it's not helpful. How's his view helpful? Yeah. Now, let me ask, Tim's still hung up on the video of the, uh, of the hippopotamus with the antelope. Um, where his, his argument is hinging on the fact that animals display moral behavior. Tim. If they do display moral behavior, what does that prove? You would say that, it, that they got that by uh, some evolutionary process. If, if they have moral behavior, we'd say, well, God just gave them that moral behavior when he, when he made well, them. Well, what, what it would prove for Tim, taking up his, his point of view, in other words, we're saying we see abundant evidence of morality in humans. Where did it come from if not from God? He's saying it evolved. And as proof of that, he's saying it's even seen in the animal world that, that – acts of morality have evolved even in animal species and then and to a much fuller extent in the human kind. So that's, that's why they're making that argument, Jake. 
Well, does it prove? I mean, it doesn't prove anything. It, I, it, I think, it does not prove the fact. I mean, it, we would just say it was by that external force that Tim uh, acknowledged would happen, would have to exist for evolution to occur. Tim said there'd have to be an external force. Yeah. We would say that it came from that external force. I, I think all those videos, Tim, and I, we don't have time to show them all. He's asking why we're not showing some of the others. We don't have time to show them all. Some of them are really quite gruesome. Uh, but the point of it is I, I, people have historically desperately tried to convey human emotion into the animal world. You know, uh, uh, if you have a little dog at home and you love that dog, or if you have a cat and you love the cat, then you try to imagine that the dog and the cat thinks about things the way you do. They don't. They're animals. Animals don't think like humans do. Uh, they're very instinctively driven creatures. And, and you can train them. You can train them to habitually act in certain ways, but they don't think like human beings think at all. And, and the, that hippo uh, was not showing kindness or mercy to the antelope. He talks about another video that showed a lion taking care of, a, of a, an injured deer. Uh, you know, there is some psychotic behavior in the animal world, just like there's psychotic behavior in the human kind. And sometimes some of those videos are animals acting bizarrely, they're crazy. They're crazy animals. Lions don't take care of antelopes. Uh, and the one who did had something wrong with its wiring. That's, I think that's the simple answer. Okay. All right. Jack uh, says an atheist doesn't believe in God nor in any absolute moral code. Atheism has long supported the killing of children in the form of abortion. They justify the destruction of unwanted children for convenience. Therefore, to claim that God is unjust for ordering what they think is morally correct is an insincere position. Second, to claim that killing, the killing of children is wrong is an appeal to a moral code. This undermines uh, their own belief that morality is relative. You can't have it both ways. I think that's a good point, Jack. Finally, as soon as the phrase innocent children is used, they are admitting the existence of not only a moral code, but also that there is sin in the world and adults are responsible for their moral, moral choices. And so uh, Jack has the atheist. Coming, a, coming and going. And a lot of quicksand there. Yeah. All right, yeah. good good points, Jack. All right, we need to take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue. All right, don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. One of the more difficult duties that preachers are called upon to fulfill is the task of preaching funerals. These are never happy events. The grief and sadness that accompany such occasions makes this a very challenging work. A funeral, while still filled with heartache, is much easier if the deceased is known to be a faithful Christian. The preacher can speak of hope and consolation based upon the promises of God. Though no mortal can speak with certainty about the eternal condition of any other accountable individual, and while there is no basis to ever, quote, preach someone into heaven, it is comforting to be reminded of the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, Titus 1, verse 2. On the other hand, it's very hard to preach the funeral of someone who never obeyed the gospel, or of a Christian who had become unfaithful to the Lord. What can be said to console the family and friends? The sad reality of the situation makes it effectively impossible for a preacher who really knows the circumstances to say any words that would be of much help to ease the burden of the bereaved. For this reason, the family will often call upon a preacher who does not know the deceased very well and who can only speak in vague generalities. Who will preach your funeral when you die? Will your loved ones be able to call upon a preacher who knows you well, who is aware of your life of service in God's kingdom, and can thus speak words of comfort? 
Or in order to avoid the harsh reality of your actual spiritual condition, will they have to call upon a stranger to do your service? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word talk every Thursday night. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the program tonight. We will remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We look forward to you coming and worshiping with us if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. Find out more about our meeting times and locations, again, at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And tonight on the program, we're talking about the question, is God immoral? It's a common claim by those who are atheists or those who want to deny the existence of God. And we want to ask the question, is God, in fact, immoral? And we're looking at some of the arguments tonight. Yeah, we got a, uh, some, some more emails from Chris in England who frequently corresponds with us. Thanks, Chris, for sending in some more information. He says he's been thinking about these questions uh, ever since last week. Um, he, and he wants to preface uh, his comments pertaining to the allegation that God was genocidal in regards to his commands to the captivity of Canaan. He says this gets tricky for the biblical theist. What gets tricky is how to account for commands of God that seem contrary to his nature, like the command to the armies of Israel to exterminate the people of Canaan. Uh, the, he says the biblical theist needs to show how such commands are consistent with God's nature. That's exactly, I mean, that's the whole point of the last two weeks' conversation, as Chris has summarized it there. He says, I've come to appreciate the object of God's commands to Israel was not the slaughter of the Canaanites, as is often imagined. The command was rather primarily to drive them out of land. The judgment upon those Canaanite kingdoms was to dispossess them of their land and thus destroy them as kingdoms. Had the people fled before the advancing Israeli army, there, would, there was no command to pursue them and hunt them down. No one had to die. Only those who remained behind were to be utterly exterminated for the reasons I described. We don't really know for sure if those who remained behind included women, children, or just soldiers. So God wrongs no one in issuing such strong commands and has good reason for doing so. Uh, God, he says, arguing for morality, God-based morality is neither morally relative nor subjective. The Canaanites had a very different view of Israel's God than did Israel. He says he's had opportunity to read on the Canaanite culture and so forth. Uh, he says, uh, I knew that those tribes were corrupt. I must say I had no idea of the degradation and foulness to which they had descended. And he gives some example. Uh, he says, in contrast, uh, by contrast, uh, in Israel's thinking, the God of Abraham was a God who would not bring down judgment on Sodom if there were even ten righteous persons in the whole city. He waited 400 years until the Canaanite tribes were so debased that they were ripe for judgment. God had morally sufficient reasons for what he commanded the Israelis to do, reasons that are not contrary to his nature. God's command to the Israelis to drive the Canaanites out of the land was not arbitrary. Uh, rather, it was an act of judgment, long stayed, and for gross sin. I think that's well said, Chris. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Chris, for that. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts, 877-381-4567. Well, you asked the question, uh, uh, how do these... Oh, wait a minute. Before, before we go to that, uh, what did I do with that? Oh, oh, uh, uh, Tim sent an email, Tim, who's in the chat room, that we've been kind of bantering back and forth with on this issue. And we're glad that Tim is here. Yeah, we're thank glad, you. We're, we're glad for we're, all... We're, we, we want to hear these points of view. We, we, we want to appreciate do. the discussion and the dialogue. So thank we, you, Tim. Uh, I hope everyone understands we... We are not shying away from this discussion. We are the ones who initiated 
You know, right. we, we're the ones who brought this question right. to right. the front. And we're not, we're not mad at Tim. And, and we're not mad at Tim, and, right. we, and, and I, I think there's great value in discussing these different points of view and see which one makes the best sense. And Tim said he's not mad at us last week, so that's good. We're just and, having and, a good discussion. And we want to see what makes the best sense. Yes. You know, if it makes better sense to be an atheist, maybe we should all be atheists. Hey, I'm, I'm for it. You, you are. If it makes better sense. Oh, if it makes better sense. Yeah. 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 No, 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 I'm not for it. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Take right. it out of context. Uh, when, when we ask the question, does the, does the concept of eternity help believers to deal with the death of innocent people in some of the Old Testament instances? Uh, Tim said, well, you are leading again. Well, yes, that was a leading question it was intended to be. We want to know, do you think it matters? Do you think the concept of eternity matters? It was a question intended to bring that out. It's a leading yeah. question. I don't deny it. He says, I've heard you talk about this in several of your radio yeah, programs. I read that one. Oh, you already talked about I that? I read that, yeah. Oh, you already read that one. Yeah, okay, that. okay yeah. good, good, good. Okay. All, All right. right. But, but we, yes, we, you know, we actually, we actually announce that our questions are leading questions every week. <laughs> you know, we put them out there and say, this is the way we're going to go with the program. What do, you, what, do you, what do you have to say about it? If you disagree, it? let us know. Yeah. Tim, Tim asked a question. Is killing always wrong? If yes, then why does God do it? If no, then you have no real moral standards. If sometimes, where are the Bible verses that has God telling us when we can kill and when we cannot? Do you support the death penalty, war, self-defense? Well, let me ask Tim the same question. Tim, well, no, wait a minute. Let, let me ask Tim. Okay. Is, is killing sometimes justified and sometimes not? If not, then you have no moral standard, and you're trying to tell us that you do based upon evolution because you have the same moral standard that the hippo has. You are, again, Tim is being inconsistent. He has no moral grounds to stand on. He says, if you think that it is sometimes okay to kill, then you have no moral standards. Tim believes that it is sometimes right to kill. Therefore, Tim has no moral standards. We do have moral standards because God has told us when it is right to kill and when it's not. Yeah, going all the way back to Genesis 9, after Noah's flood, God said, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Genesis 9, verse 6. So, yes, God, God ordained the death penalty. Uh, we know that there were a number of uh, crimes under the law of Moses that had the death penalty uh, uh, associated with them. And then in the New Testament, uh, in Romans chapter 13, uh, it says uh, concerning civil government, Romans 13, verse 4, God, uh, civil government is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So I believe that we could prove in, both, in, in all dispensations of time, patriarchal, mosaic, Christian, in all periods of time, God has, in fact, instructed the death penalty for certain crimes. Absolutely. And so there's the rules. We have, if, if we, but we have a set of established rules. Mm-hmm. Where would the atheist, on what level would the atheist establish his set of rules? By okay, the way, no, 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 Tim, Tim answered, I believe killing is okay in self-defense and defense of others. So therefore, by Tim's own admission, if killing is sometimes acceptable, then you have no real moral standards. Tim has just admitted that he has no more moral standards. See, what we're saying, showing is Tim's not being logical and consistent. He's not being consistent. And that's our whole, that's our whole argument with this idea that say, says that God is immoral. You're not being consistent. You you don't have a standard to judge God by if you don't believe in God. Yeah, but notice Tim, and all due respect, Tim. Tim said, "I believe killing is." Well, what basis do you believe that? Where did you? How did you reach that conclusion? Is that just now? Would all atheists feel the same way? Is that is that the thinking of all atheists? Is that the way the the that we have evolved? 
or do people have different ideas? You know, uh, uh, Chris in the U.K. sent me uh, another quote out of The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins that we sort, of, we, we sort of used a quote from that book as the basis for our discussion these last two weeks. Richard Dawkins offered an alternative Ten Commandments mm. to, the, to uh, the Ten Commandments that are in the Old Testament. Here they are. Do, do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. In all things, strive to cause no harm. Treat your fellow human beings, your fellow living things, and the world in general with love, honesty, faithfulness, and respect. Do not overlook evil or shirk from administering justice, but always be ready to forgive wrongdoing freely that is freely admitted and honestly regretted. Live life with a sense of joy and wonder. Always seek to be learning something new. Test all things. Always check your ideas against the facts and be ready to discard even a cherished belief if it does not conform to them. Never seek to censor or cut yourself off from dissent. Always respect the right of others to disagree with you. Form independent opinions on the basis of your own reason and experience. Do not allow yourself to be led blindly by others. And number 10, finally, question everything. So there, Richard Dawkins has got his Ten Commandments. On what basis does he come to these conclusions? Yeah. I, I just don't. Go ahead, Larry. Yeah, Larry there's there's Larry. 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 It's all biblical. Everything. Almost everything he said there had a biblical, biblical basis. Didn't it's it? in the Bible. Yeah. Amazing. And that is interesting. They hadn't thought about that. But, I mean, the the first one sounds almost identical to what Jesus said in the so-called golden rule. Do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, it's interesting. Okay. All right. Well, we need to take another break. When we get back from the break, we'll continue. We've got to wrap this discussion up. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to talk about uh, how, how does the idea that God knows and understands everything help us with this question about the violence in the Old Testament. And how does the idea of God's ownership maybe help us with answering these questions? All right. We'll get back to the discussion. We'll look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Maybe you've been listening in the chat room and you disagree with us. The best way for your voice to be heard is to call right now during the break. 877-381-4567. It's toll-free. The line is open. We'd love to hear from you. Don't go anywhere. The Verse of Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great. I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Mormons make up 1.7% of the American adult population, a proportion that is comparable in size to the U.S. Jewish population. By contrast, members of the evangelical Protestant churches make up 26.3% and Catholics make up roughly 24% of the adult American population. And 16.1% of Americans say that they are unaffiliated with any particular religion. That information is via the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. The Word of God says in Matthew 15, verse 9, But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight and looking forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Tim, 
uh, wants me to clarify something. He said, you have no moral standard if you were answer no, killing is not always wrong. Well, I I think that's what he said. That's what he said. He yeah, said sometimes it is. It's some, no, it's not wrong. He said it's not wrong to kill for uh, self-defense and in defense of others. So he said no. Yeah, and but but then he said if sometimes where is your Bible verse that tells that God and we told the, the, those Bible verses. So I don't really understand. It's either yes or no. It's I mean it 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 sometimes falls into the no category in my book there. But we'll go on. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We ask a final question here. How do these facts relate to the topic of violence in the Old Testament? First, God has complete knowledge and understanding of all things. You know, it really. All we know about those, the vast majority of those Old Testament episodes is what God chose to tell us about. We wouldn't even know about them if he hadn't revealed them to us in the Bible. I mean, there were, the, most of those events happened in a time before there was uh, uh, really efficient history yep. recording. Yep. Yep. And so we're basing our – what we know of them is what God himself told us about them. Yep. Uh, and so uh, – does, did God have a complete understanding? For instance, those those Canaanite tribes that were were expelled from the land of Canaan when the Israelites came there to possess it. We we don't know a lot. Chris in the UK said he's done some research into their behavior, which was quite quite abhorrent. He said, but you know God knew the the situation there perfectly. And as as has been pointed out at least twice on the program tonight, he told Abraham that it would be over 400 years before his descendants would occupy that land because. He said, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, he he knew the full condition of those people. He says, it's not, it's not time to punish them yet, but the time's coming. So God understood the conduct and behavior of those people perfectly. Uh, we don't, obviously. We we only have bits and pieces of information. But if if we believe what the Bible teaches about an all-knowing God, then he knew everything perfectly and understood everything exactly and that, that makes his decision-making a lot more appropriate than ours. That's right, and we can leave it up to him. And that's pro- one area where the atheists go off track. If they don't agree with what God has revealed in his word, then they throw God out rather than admitting that there is a being that could be more intelligent and greater than them and accepting what he has done rather than insisting that what he does fits into their understanding, which is limited and is not uh, reliable. Uh, Ramona in Texas says, uh, she quotes Proverbs 2, verses 6, 9 through 11, and 9 through 11. For the, God, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. So she's saying if we'll follow and look at God's word, we can understand more perfectly uh, what he has done. God does understand perfectly. Yes. And, and, okay. All right. Chris in Georgia says, we cannot even begin to comprehend God's wisdom. It would be like an ant trying to comprehend a computer. It's impossible. We may not be able to comprehend all that God does or why he does it, but we have proof of his existence, his holiness, and his wisdom. Therefore, we have enough knowledge of him to know he is just, and we can have complete faith in him and his action. All right. And Jim in uh, Kentucky says that God, as omnipresent and omniscient, can have complete understanding of what we do not, and therefore is a better uh, in a better situation to know if his actions are right. Men often do not have the full story on any situation and thus often execute justice based on partial information, which at latter times can be found to have been wrong. Not so with God. Thank, Thank you, Jim. Exactly right, Jim. 
uh, Anthony says, skeptics and cynics want to project human sensibilities onto the Bible, and they want to limit God to human characteristics and emotions. We ought not to accept or reject God based on these flawed approaches. We see that the universe proclaims the handiwork of a creator. We see that the Bible is absolutely unique among all books in the history of mankind. We therefore read it and realize that it describes the one who did create the universe, and we accept God is lo- accept that God is love and justice. We submit ourselves to him because he is the Almighty. We don't subject him to petty human litmus tests. The problem in doing so is that God truly is unfathomable by the human mind. All right. I think that's right. All right, and uh, we've been missing some comments from Randy tonight. Uh, well, I, I, I don't think he got yeah, to those okay. questions. All right. All right. All right. So uh, I, I think that's, uh, to me, that helps. I, 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 I want to reiterate what we've said several times. Is I think this is a challenging question for Bible believers and for believers in God. It's a hard one. It's not one of the easier ones to deal with. You know, we don't like we don't like the violence. And you know, we one thing we should be very grateful that we don't live in such a violent age. That that we live in a time where those kind of things don't happen so frequently. They still happen, but not as frequently as they did in times of old. Uh, they they are disturbing. We understand that. But to me, it's very helpful to to realize that God knows everything and He knows everything perfectly. My my knowledge is limited. My judgments are flawed. God knows everything. His judgments are always just by definition. That helps me. All right. We've got to get to the next question. But before we do, I have a question to pose for Tim before the program's over. I want to give him time to answer. He can answer in the chat room. Tim, if you're right, or I'm sorry, if you're wrong on this uh, idea about God existing, if, you, uh, if you're wrong and uh, you think God doesn't exist, what are the consequences of that? If we're wrong, what are the consequences of that? We've got, to, we've got to know the answer. I mean, if, if we're wrong, there is no God. Tim, why are you so adamant in trying to convince to us that God does not exist? If we're wrong, what are the consequences of that? Well, well if, we're, if we're wrong, we've still lived our lives by a high moral standard uh, that has made our lives better and made society better. And so if there is no God and there is no eternity and we die, we've lived a good life. Okay. On the other hand, if Tim is wrong and there is a God, then... He has missed it all. Yeah. For a few fleeting moments here on earth, he has traded off his eternity. I, 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 that's a great question. Tim, w- give us your side of that. We've given you our side. What is your side? What's the, what, if we're wrong, what are the consequences What's of the downside of us believing in God? Yeah, and you're, you're very adamant, and you're trying to convince us and convince the folks in the chat room tonight that there is no God. If we're wrong and there really is no God, what are the consequences of us believing that, Tim? Let us know your thoughts. We'd like to hear that. Uh, quickly before the end of the program. Okay, right. yes, one more question. One more question we ask is, does the idea of God's ownership, that God owns everything, does that help us deal with some of these questions about what he did to certain peoples of the Old Testament era? I think it does. Let me let me tell you what I mean by that. Okay. Uh, uh, I've got a car. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the car, but it's mine. Mm-hmm. I own it, mm-hmm. free and clear. I, I, I own no debt on it. I don't like the car either. Uh, if if I want to take that and take it to the to the car masher machine, you should have done that a long time ago. If, if I just drive it up there and say mash this thing, yeah. I don't like it anymore. Yeah. Is there anything wrong with me doing that? I have a right to do that. It's my car. I own it. Right. Yeah. The ownership gives me the right to do with the things I own as I please. Mm-hmm. Uh, now think about the sense that the Earth, the entire physical universe, and everything in it was created by God and is his. Mm-hmm. He made it. He mm-hmm. owns it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God can do whatever he wants 
with everything that he has. Now, he, he has limited himself in certain ways. He, he has said there are certain things that he, he won't do. Mm -hmm. uh, but to the extent that he is the owner of the universe and everything in it, including all the people in it, then God can do as he pleases. And we, we're really not in a position to question him about that. All right. Uh and that, that's 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 true. That's that's a, that's going to be an explanation that's not going to be appealing to the atheists because they believe that they're own and that they that they, that well, they are let, their let, own let, and they let, don't have to, to answer to anyone. But uh, we believe otherwise. Let me give you a Bible verse okay. along that line, Jacob. Isaiah 29, verse 16. Isaiah 29, verse 16. Uh, Surely your turning and thing your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work of him that made it, uh, shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? I think another version says, uh, uh, can he say, can the thing formed say to the to the potter, why have you made me so? In other words, God made this. Uh, we we are we we don't have the prerogative to question him or challenge him. Yep. We are his creation. And it's not it's not appropriate. It's not in our power. It's not right for us to question why he did what he did the way he did. All right. God owns own things, Ramona says. Everything that we have is a gift from God, and everything we have to uh, have is to honor God. We are stewards, and we must be faithful to that. Chris in Georgia says God made us, and many times we may not understand his reasons, but we must trust him and have faith in him. And uh, Jim in Kentucky, uh, he says uh, all things are created by God, and thus, in the simplest of senses, he has the right to use those things any way he deems right. Yeah. And we can have confidence and faith in that. I think that's right. And I, to me, that's helpful in the big picture. God knows everything perfectly. He understands everything exactly. And everything is his. Therefore, if he chooses to do certain things, then that's, that's in his will. That's in his power. He's a sovereign God. He can do as he pleases. Yeah. Uh, and and we're really not in a position to question him or challenge him about it. We have to accept it. Right. What he does is right, right. by definition. All right, Tim in the chat room. We ask him, uh, what if we're wrong and you're right, and what are the consequences if we're wrong? Tim says, so you think it is moral to only do the things that you do just in case you could go to heaven? That is not moral. If you are doing this out of fear and not because you love God, then Jacob, I'm sorry, that is not a good standing for good morals. I do things. Uh, that I do uh, because I feel it is right, because I want to, not because I want reward in heaven or fear hell. If you're asking me to be a Christian just in case, that, that my friends, lacks moral standard. We're not saying you do this just in case. We're saying you've got to have faith and you've got to do it out of love. We're not, we didn't say that you just do it just in case. But we're, we're trying to ask him, if we're wrong, what are the consequences? And Tim hasn't shown us what the consequences are. He hasn't what, shown us why we What's the downside of being yep. a believer in God? Right. I mean, that's the, that's the question he, He's really gone asking. to great extent. He's written pages and pages and spent he, he spent hours yeah. communicating I mean, with us. Yeah. And he's been he's been on, in the chat room trying to convince other people not to believe in God. What, what what's the what's the impetus? I, I don't I don't know why we why are what's the consequence if of believing in God. But, you know, I would even address, you know, I, I agree with you. We, we serve God out of love and devotion. But God used reward oh, sure. motivation sure. and fear motivation. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, we do serve because we want to go to heaven. We do serve because we don't want to go to hell. 
we serve because we love God too. But all of that factors. I mean, I'm not shying away from the fact no. that yes, I want to go to heaven. And, and that's yes, why I do what I do. Yes, and yes, I am very afraid and uh, scared of of falling into the wrong hands of, or the wrong side of with God. I don't want to. I don't want to cross him up. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. Well, well, we're out of time. Tim has not responded. Well, but we, but Tim, we, Tim, we'll, we'll, we appreciate your involvement for yes, the last two yes. weeks. Uh, we obviously disagree at a very fundamental level, uh, but we appreciate the fact that you were willing to engage us. We invited Tim, by the way, to be on the program. Uh, and he declined that invitation. We respect that. But he did participate actively uh, by email and in the chat room, and we appreciate that. We disagree. Quite seriously disagree, but it's good to be able to discuss this. It things. is. It's good to hear the other side, and uh, in fact, I think the, hearing the other side helps reinforce where you, what you believe. Yes. If you, if you, what you believe is right and true. There you go. And so it doesn't hurt to hear the other side. So appreciate Tim for being out there and listening. Appreciate you for being a part of the program, Dad. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, tonight. Jacob. Enjoyed it. Discussion. Larry's been behind the thanks, controls. Larry. Larry's done a great job. Larry, thank you. And thank you for being a part of the program as well. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word in the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.